It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ukrainian Chorus Dumka of New York. That's what happened. That's how Saturday Night Live opened with the Ukrainian Chorus of New York. Uh, it was pretty stunning. And what you have to know, I've been reading, is that that particular song is sung at the beginning of Protestant services and of Catholic services in the in the country of Ukraine. And as best I can tell, it was written in 1885, uh, and that was a time when the Russian government forces were forbidding the usage of the Ukrainian language. And the English translation of the song includes... Please to preserve Ukraine for us, all your graces and benevolence bestow upon our nation. And so um, it's obviously a plea to God to restore and to protect Ukraine. Very moving. And as you watch the singers' faces, it, the burden, you know, of Ukraine on their shoulders, their beautiful native land um, was hard to miss. You know, I think uh, one thing that we've missed in this whole storyline, and I have not actually spoken to you about Ukraine much because you know I resisted all of the ridiculous and unnecessary silly talk leading up to this meaningless really you know just kept, they kept saying the days when Russia was going to invade and yet we weren't going to send in troops and we might do sanctions but not unless they strike and on and on just ad nauseum discussion of this and I, I just wasn't going to buy into that but things are different now because Putin has invaded 
people's lives are in danger, people have been killed, and we're going to get into that uh, in a little more depth today in the show. Uh, but the one thing point I want to make in this moment is that the Ukrainians, in spite of the politics of it, there are people who are Ukrainians, Ray, you know that. Every country has a political system which often does not reflect their people. Uh, there are strong, strong Christians in Ukraine. And you've probably already seen that on the streets and some of the testimonies and things that are happening. And so, um, actually, I am going to play this clip uh, five. Let me just tell Devin that. Um, but we have a a neighbor when my son was growing up, when we were when I was raising him, uh, we, I raised him in Wheaton, Illinois, which is a beautiful town in the western suburbs of Chicago. Uh, in DuPage County, it used to be kind of the home of Christian ministries and churches. Um, it was when we moved there years ago, and little Ben Williams was our neighbor right behind little. He was very small for his age, and he was just so cute. And um, he, he was Jeremy's buddy, one of his buddies, and they grew up together, and Ben grew up to be a missionary in Ukraine. And I hadn't, I've lost track of him, but my son sent me uh, his testimony of what's happening in that country right now. And of course, it's moving to me because I think of little Ben growing up in our neighborhood and see what God has done in his life. It's pretty remarkable. His mom was a single mom, just like me. We were single moms raising these kids. And uh, this is Ben Williams uh, speaking at the border of Ukraine and Poland. Missionary Ben Williams, let's listen. Hey, friends. Ben here. Just wanted to reach out. I know many people have been uh, writing us, asking how we're doing. I am here right now uh, near the Polish border with Ukraine. And uh, we have been uh, waiting in line for 33 hours now, our family. And right now they're only letting uh, women and children across the border because Ukraine's at war. And uh, yeah, this is this is a tragic, tragic time for, for Ukraine, I think for the world, as we see and we believe that God is still in control. And at the same time, we wonder why there's all this unnecessary death and destruction. And I know from people in the West, you see the tragedy and you, you wonder why. And for us, we, we feel the same, but those stories are connected with real people. And so I just want to say over these last days, I've just been so blessed and encouraged by Ukrainians. Uh, they're united. They, they serve one another and they're fighting against uh, an enemy that wants to eliminate them. We have buses going by with, uh, with women and their children. And in those buses, they, they don't have anything. They might have come from Eastern Ukraine. They might have one backpack. Some people just have their passports. And you can see in these buses, you can see just filled with uh, women and children. And uh, our team and organization is serving for internally displaced refugees uh, within the Ukrainian border, uh, feeding hundreds of people, caring for people. They might just stay for one or two days as they move from eastern Ukraine towards western Ukraine. There's also floods of people moving from Ukraine into Europe and so the Josiah Venture team is creating uh, ways to help care for the immigrants who are fleeing. Would you just continue to pray for us as we try and minister to other people? Pray. Pray against the evil that's happening and uh, be encouraged that, that Ukraine is uniting but I also just pray that people would seek the Lord in this, that they would they would find hope in the only one that provides true hope. 
I've been Williams on the border of uh, Ukraine and Poland, and I just am reminded, you know, um, and I'm going to talk today, this morning, about all the all the various factions and the plots and the plans and the wickedness and uh, the power brokers, whether it's the oil or the money or the, the weapons or NATO or, you know, all the people uh, on this earth who walk, who think they hold the power. And I'm reminded through Ben of uh, God's incredible power. You know, just that peace that passes all understanding. How can Ben be so calm? You know, I, I don't know if he's inferring that he can't go across the border either with his family. I don't know. Uh, but they're actually witnessing what's happening, and there's this calm, leaving all, you know, their home and everything that they have, I'm sure. Uh, so the peace that passes all understanding, that same power that raised Christ Jesus dwells within us. And I am saying that to remind you of it when things like this come to us, and they will. We're seeing glimpses of it, touches of it. Uh, we're not there yet. And I think probably the suspension of reality was best expressed by a guest that Dan Bongino had uh, from Ukraine. Uh, it's a woman named Olina. And now I, guarantee, I, I granted her Ukrainian accent, she speaks great English, makes it a little hard to understand everything that she says. But I want you to, basically, let me just tell you, before she starts, she talks about, no, I'm not even going to tell you. I'm going to let you, uh, Dan is asking her, basically, tell us, describe, excuse me, describe what's going on, where you are, and he, she surprises him with some observations. This is clip 12. This is Olina in Ukraine. Let's listen. They are pretty close, uh, but they are not yet in my neighborhood, so my army, my comrades, my men and women, they protect us here. But what I'm saying that I was just listening to your to your show and I was feeling myself here like in the bad comedy. Don't look up. Have you watched this comedy? Now, like the end of the world is coming, a big asteroid is falling and we are discussing something like potential theoretical dangers to Americans and the other countries, which is very surreal. And it, it, it's funny and horrifying at the time. At the same time, if you guys over there, like, are you guys over there more afraid of Putin than we are afraid here? Are you afraid to provoke, like, more of aggression from him? Just listen. Were Ukrainians provoking any aggression? Were we doing anything wrong, like, at all to provoke aggression of Russia? Do you think you can do something wrong to escalate the conflict or provoke it? No, nothing is needed. He will come to you. So just... Give up everything, yes, all the other things, and urgently do everything to stop Putin, stop this aggression, because he will never stop himself. But, I mean, we are strong, we are united, there are a lot of us, and we are good, and he is evil, so we will win together. You know, three days ago, I was like you, I was the mother of three children that said, I don't have time for war. I need to bring my child to school and kindergarten. I need to go shopping. I have English classes and so on. I cannot cancel my tours. And what? And it started and they canceled everything and here I am. And the same will happen to you very soon. So urgently, urgently intervene and stop putting here. Of course, I'd like to survive, but now we are talking not only about me and my children. We are talking about humanity. That's real. That's big. That's huge. And yeah, this sounds believable and surreal, but but it happens. Yeah. All right. So what she's saying, I hope you understood a lot of what she said. 
She said, listening to you while I'm waiting to come on, I'm listening to your show. And it's like, it's surreal. It's like uh, a comedy. It's a comedy. Like It's like you're saying, the asteroids are coming. Uh, you're, you're talking about this pending disaster and what it might do to the United States. Uh, but it's like all head games. Well, this is actually happening. Like, it's funny and yet it's horrifying that basically you're so distanced from the reality that you, you're not accept- – I mean, these are my extrapolations of her words. She says, are you more afraid of Putin than we are? We're right here. He's right here. And we are standing strong. We're fighting. And you are speculating about what might happen to the United States How and thinking she's inferring uh, whatever discussion took place on the show before she joined. I don't know. Uh, that that we have to guard the United States is in danger and something might happen here. And she said, the point is he's, he's coming for you. This will be you. You need to stop him now. She said, three days ago, I was like you. I was a mother with three children. I don't have time for war. I have to get the groceries. I have to tend the gardening. I have to take care of my children. And now nothing. They're, all of that has been suspended. It's all over. And now we we must fight. This is deep. It's so deep. It's about humanity. It's about humanity. And um, we encourage you to fight him now. And uh, I, I wanted you to hear that because it's almost uh, so deep what she said. It is fi- hard to find the words. She's saying, wake up. Don't. You are in another world. You are in, a, in an unreal world. The reality is that wicked, horrible things are happening, and it's coming to you. It's with us now, but we are standing strong. We are united he is evil, and we are, we are, I don't know if she's a Christian, I have no idea, but, you know, she might be. Um, and so uh, this is something for us to soberly take in and take to heart. You know, the Bible says that we should not look only on our own things, but on the things of others. We take on our neighbor's problems. We take on the problems of our friends. We take on the problems of the world. We can't take them all on, but we don't ignore them and go our busy way and get our latte and our Starbucks, our pizza, our Chinese, whatever it is we're doing, or watch our favorite video. We take on the sorrow of the world, and we do what we can to help. And so today I begin our show with that. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about CPAC and what happened there and the things that I saw. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and here's a very startling statistic. Every five minutes outside of America, a Christian is killed simply because they believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let me give you some perspective. By the end of the average hour-long worship service in America on a Sunday, 12 Christians will die, again, simply because of their faith. Now listen, persecution is arguably the top issue facing the global church today. I'm not saying that death is affiliated with every Every case of persecution, but at Bible League, we know Christians who are singled out, targeted, monitored, threatened with death, even killed simply because of their faith. Listen, we can do something about it by sending exactly what they're praying for to persevere and endure, and that's God's word at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20. Would you pray about it and then make your most generous gift by calling 800 Yes Word, 800 Y E S W O R D, or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org, and God bless you for. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today we pray for Diana Espinosa, Deputy Administrator of the Health Resources and Services Administration. Her office works to improve health outcomes and address health disparities by providing access to quality services and programs. Exodus 23:25 reminds us of God's blessings of health and healing. Worship the Lord your God, and His blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray. Dear God, we ask for guidance for Diana Espinosa as she works to improve health care in our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. When the Atlanta Braves won the big game, fans celebrated at the hottest restaurant in town, Waffle House. Teenager Andrew Mack and his buddy showed up at the Waffle House in Cherokee County. Turns out just about the rest of the county did too. The place was literally overrun by hungry fans. Three of the diner's five workers failed to show up that night, leaving only a waitress and the fry cook. Now, most people would have gotten back into their pickup trucks and found another place, but not Andrew. The teenager and his buddies stepped up to the plate, taking orders, sweeping floors, bussing tables, and washing dishes. The Cherokee County Commission got wind of what the boys had done. They issued a special proclamation for the team players who came out of the bullpen and saved the game, or in this case, the Waffles. Andrew shrugged off the accolades, says he did what he was raised by his mama to do. That's how things work in the South. I'm Todd Stearns. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Nobody could ever believe how bad and weak and grossly incompetent it has been. And when you have a weak president who is not respected by other nations, you have a very chaotic world. And the world hasn't been this chaotic since World War II. I think we can say that. We can say that very strongly. I have no doubt that President Putin made his decision to ruthlessly attack Ukraine only after watching the pathetic withdrawal from Afghanistan where the military was taken out first, our soldiers were killed, and American hostages plus $85 billion worth of the finest equipment anywhere in the world were left behind. Yesterday, reporters asked me if I thought President Putin was smart. I said, of course he's smart, to which I was greeted with, oh, that's such a terrible thing to say. I'd like to tell the truth, yes, he's smart, The NATO nations, and indeed the world, as he looks over what's happening strategically with no repercussions or threats whatsoever, they're not so smart. They're looking the opposite of smart. 
if you take over Ukraine, we're going to sanction you, they say. Sanction? Well, that's a pretty weak statement. Putin is saying, oh, they're going to sanction me. They sanctioned me for the last 25 years. You mean I can take over a whole country and they're going to sanction me? You mean they're not going to blow us to pieces, at least psychologically? The problem is not that Putin is smart, which of course he's smart, but the real problem is that our leaders are dumb. <laughs> dumb. So dumb. And they so far allowed him to get away with this travesty and assault on humanity. That's what it is. This is an assault on humanity. So sad. Putin is playing Biden like a drum. And it's not a pretty thing as somebody that loves our country to watch. Just not a pretty thing to watch. Yeah, not a pretty thing to watch. That was President Trump speaking at CPAC uh, on Saturday night. By the way, um, I want to come back to Ukraine, of course. Let me, I, I, there's so many things to tell you about that. Uh, over the weekend, Putin, of course, is threatening to use nuclear. He's like pulling out his resources. And uh, Biden went away to his home. He's been there very unavailable to the press. Walking, you see him walking his dogs on the beach. Yeah, so we're in great hands. Trust me, we're in great hands. It's uh, such great hands that a poll was taken over the weekend. It showed that 66% of American voters... And that includes Republicans and Democrats believe that Putin would never have invaded Ukraine if Trump had been president. I think that's really interesting. Now, I want to talk to you about CPAC, and I'll talk right away about President Trump's speech. Uh, let me just say that President Trump was quintessential President Trump. I'm not sure I've ever seen him give a better speech. Um, he was so engaged in the content, <laughs> using very little notes, with, of course, as always, a facility and understanding about the most complex of issues. Uh, passion, and yet kind of, uh, you know, he certainly, he's, he's, you know, I'll tell you something, Bruce, uh, Bruce and I actually stood uh, probably for four hours, uh, both prior to him coming in the room and also just uh, because in the press section there weren't very many seats, and uh, so we just stood. You see where the big cameras are, the major press are you know are all aimed toward the president, and that's how you see him speak. Well, we were standing there up on this stage. We're standing right right against the stage in front of it. Uh, but I just was saying to Bruce there, you know, I can't think of very many people ever in the world where I would stand that long uh, to hear them speak, and yet it was it was incredible. He has not lost anything. He has not lost his mojo. Uh, he looked really healthy. He was strong. He was powerful. Uh, and it was just amazing. I I think, honestly, if you are wondering who you're going to support in the, the uh, presidential election, of course, he hasn't said that he's running, uh, I think you should listen to that just to get an idea. We will post that on Getter, my Getter account. And I would encourage you while you're cleaning your house or driving your truck or whatever it is you're doing to listen to that speech. And I think you will be amazed. He was powerful. Uh, and uh, one of the things he said, he had a lot of funny things because he, he's just funny. He weaves in and out of the profoundly serious and the funny. He talks about the Taliban. He said when he was president, he met with the leader of the Taliban. And he basically said, uh, you are not going to kill any more of our soldiers. And um, he said the leader of the Taliban <laughs> looked at him, and uh, I don't know what he said back, but President Trump somehow then showed him a picture of his own home. 
And the leader of the Taliban says, why are you showing me a picture of, of my home? And President Trump said, well, I didn't really explain to him that, but he figured it out. And during, and it, this is true, I remember this, but I certainly didn't know that story. The entire time that President Trump was president, there wasn't a single American soldier killed in Afghanistan. I thought that was a remarkable thing at the time, but who knew why? Because, because of the strength and power of what this one man, President Trump, who was strong enough and tough enough to go up against these really uh, tyrannical world powers and without him there, with someone like Joe Biden who has dementia and is also just a horrible person, he has been for decades uh, just <clears throat> an egotist with a terrible character um, and not even all that bright. And I've known that for years. I tried to say that, but, you know, I don't think he was really elected. I think President Trump was our duly elected president. So I can't say that, look, and, and nobody listened and uh, Biden won. I don't think that's true. I think that he was uh, it was taken from him. But um, so we talked about a lot of different things, and I'm going to go, go into it in just a second, but I want to talk to you about the politics of the situation. Uh, there was a, some discussion earlier in the week, and I said this on the air. You may recall in my conversation with Matt Schlapp, it was criticism of Ron DeSantis having supposedly – a, a bad placement on the program. He's a you know a contender in the presidential polls, and he spoke, uh, gave a greeting to the crowd, and was supposed to be there with Matt Schlapp. And uh, according to Hot Air, that was kind of an insult. And President Trump got the keynote speech. And honestly, this is what I think, for what it's worth. After hearing President Trump speak, and remember that we have not been able to hear him speak unless you've been to his rallies in various places. Uh, it's very difficult to get that information. Fox doesn't play it when he speaks. They don't. I mean, they don't play clips. Uh, I have trouble finding them after he's been in these various, you know, geographical areas. He's shut off of social media, and so we don't we don't hear him in press conferences. We don't hear his voice, and the impression, of course, is that you know somehow he is diminished in some way. I didn't find him diminished at all. I found him strong and powerful, and my sense of it is. Uh, that if certain things fall into place, like maybe the outcome of the Senate, uh, if Republicans actually can take back the Senate, uh, he will throw his hat in the ring. And I think that's probably what he's waiting on. Uh, because who wants to govern with uh, with that the opposition from the House and the Senate, as in the past? Because uh, you can't get anything done if you can't, you know, if you don't have uh, one of the houses or both of the houses of Congress. Uh, so um, I think he's really, really very strongly considering it. I think um, Ron DeSantis is, Governor Ron DeSantis, is the kind of guy that is not ambitious in that way. He's ambitious, but I remember well how Ron DeSantis has tremendous respect for President Trump. Tremendous. I remember his campaign commercials. Um, he has, um, and he's, he's a young man. I would imagine that behind closed doors, and I don't know this for a fact, this is speculation for me tr totally, uh, that it was a decision that if President Trump wants the nomination, we should give it to him. And to tell you the truth, that's my my view too. Uh, I was wavering a little bit because I thought, you know, they have managed to so put a, you know, an albatross, paint him as an albatross, uh, and there's so much opposition and I was wondering myself, but I honestly think that if he wants this nomination, I'm going to vote. I'm going to I'm going to vote for him uh, because he deserves it. After all he's been through and what they did to him, 
uh, as long as he's capable and his mind is quick and he understands like he understands, like he laid it out on Saturday night, I'm all for giving him that. And uh, Ron DeSantis, I think, probably, I'm guessing, if there were conversations, said, no, no, I do not want to usurp President Trump. If he wants to run, let him let him go. He has It's his right. That's the way I feel about it. And so, um, by the way, there was a straw poll at CPAC. Uh, came, the results came out last night. And President Trump, uh, this is of the presidential nominees. Pompeo is in there. And, oh, gosh, I can't even remember who else. But uh, Pompeo, of course, and uh, DeSantis and uh, Trump, I'll name those three. President Trump got uh, 58% of the votes. Ron DeSantis got 28, 29%, something like that. Or vice versa, it may have been fifty nine percent to twenty eight, uh, but you could see, and no one, no one else, of course, got much at all, and so um, I'm at peace with that. I actually think that's the way it should be. I think um, I think President Trump should, if he wants to run, he should have it, and I think he's the man that can do it still. Because look, we have what three more years of Joe Biden? Are you kidding me? Look at the destruction that he has, the havoc he has wreaked. And when President Trump sort of recited, again, the things that he'd accomplished uh, as president, in spite, in spite of all the things that John Durham just reported, the abject undermining and opposition and firsthand front row seat I saw undermining of him in the White House. Uh, that's another story for another day. I've got to get to that New York Times article that supposedly knew all about what was going on at a meeting at the White House where I was. I'll have to tell you about that uh, bunch of lies, you know. This is what they do. But in spite of all that undermining, President Trump did incredible things. And so that's what happened. Now, I have a few more things I want to tell you. Uh, these are very dangerous things. President Biden is getting ready in the process. One of the things that President Trump did was stop the negotiations with Iran. We talked a great deal about that while that was happening. And uh, that was Tim, uh, um, actually Ted Cruz, who brought that to President Trump's attention. And President Trump got all over it, and they pulled out of that. Well, Joe Biden has jumped right in. What does that mean? It means that they are giving tons of money back to Iran. It means that Iran is developing their nuclear weapons. It means that Iran is now opening their oil fields because, as you know, Joe Biden has shut off uh, any kind of uh, oil or energy exploration in this country. And I just read this morning he's also uh, shut it out uh, in the Mediterranean, uh, near Turkey, Greece, and um, Israel. Uh, he shut that down. It has a name, too. I had no idea. And while expediting uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline, it's just it's shocking. It really is. And, I, and also, we are continuing. In spite of what's happening with, uh, with Russia, we are continuing to buy oil from them because we don't have it. We've run out of reserves because of Joe Biden. Can you believe this? And so we are buying 7% of our oil from Russia. And so, you know, these sanctions that he is boasting and Biden is boasting and beating his chest about, I heard it's got, they've got so many holes in them. They're not real. They've got no real teeth. They mean nothing. Uh, so it's just, it's uh, shocking. We are being undermined uh, continually by this administration. All right, so... Um, Couple of things, more things about CPAC, though. I want to get, uh, I want to, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to those of you who are listeners to the show who came to CPAC and waved at me and came to talk to me, and we had some pictures made together, some of us, and uh, so that's so so kind, and it always means a great deal to me to see you there. Uh, also, I have a ton of interviews 
that I've done that you're going to be hearing over the next few days. Uh, Jack Brasobiak was with us. Jack, of course, is a former naval intelligence officer. Peter Schweitzer, of, uh, who wrote Clinton Cash and now has this incredible book out about the Bidens uh, making money hand over fist by their dealings with China and Russia and Ukraine, uh, was with me. Trevor Loudon, <clears throat> we did an incredible interview, again, on the background of Ukraine. Trevor is a walking you know, encyclopedia of international intrigue and also the connections of everything. So uh, Trevor J. Aiba, who is uh, a Japanese uh, businessman who is the head of CPAC in Japan. I interviewed him last year also. Just love talking to him. He doesn't speak English. We work through an interpreter, but I talked to him about the uh, the, the way the Japanese feel now about uh, China's now, you know, flying planes over Taiwan in a threatening fashion. And that pulls Japan into all of this. And, uh, you know, last year when I talked to him, he was sort of free and easy, happy, uh, just uh, just happy. And this time, <clears throat> he was so sober. It's like a different man. So we had an incredible conversation. I also had a chance to talk to yeah, Ken, uh, Kevin Sorbo, uh, who I've known Kevin and, and um, gosh, I'm just, I know them so well. I can't think of it. His wife, Sam, Sam Serbo. Uh, Kevin was, of course, uh, Hercules, and you've seen him. Uh, he met Sam, actually, in the filming of Hercules, and they become a real power couple. They, they He's made so many great movies. So I had a great conversation with Ken. Kevin, Kevin. Um, uh, then um, I think lots of uh, candidates that I want to bring to your attention uh, I can't even think of all of them. Dave Bratt was there. We had a great conversation about uh, what's going on at Liberty. I talked about the transgender issue in schools uh, with uh, Terry uh, Schilling um, and lots of other interviews I can't even remember. I I did a lot of interviews. It was, uh, well, a great privilege. I don't know what else to call it. It's a great privilege to have these face-to-face interviews. And, of course, I learn a lot from uh, people who are there who are in the know uh, and are honest intellectually. Man, you can tell the phonies on the stage a mile away. I could talk about that. Speaking of Mark Green in Tennessee, the doctor, former military. Yeah, I'm going to call him out because when it came time to protect the military, the former, I think he's a Marine, the former Marine, military background, whatever he has, his big boast was that he was going to, you know, stop uh, them from being, you know, uh, getting dishonorable discharges if they didn't take the vaccine. How very thoughtful and gracious of him I'm not. I'm. If I were in Tennessee and I were you, I wouldn't vote for Mark Green. All right, gonna take a break. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Airing the Addisons. Sherry B and J Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. Well, the great. Where do we go next? All right, let's go to Brad in Arkansas. Hi, Brad. Good afternoon. I enjoy your show as always. Applying scripture to life. You can talk about anything that we have discussed this week or maybe something that you want to bring to our attention. If we don't know about it, we're just going to tell you we don't know about it. You know, and then you'll just have to, you know, judge me. I'm sorry. Harry <laughs> the Addisons. Weekdays at 2 Central on American Family Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for Worship and the Word, and we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him.
And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Acts 17.26 conveys to us the reality that we were born and placed in the 21st century by God's specific design. He determined before time where we would live and when we would live there. If you're in Minnesota, Mississippi, or Maine, God put you there on purpose. He's not surprised by the darkness we see around us, nor is he caught off guard by it. In fact, he specifically prepared for it by making sure you're alive right now. God can do whatever he wants, but he's chosen to use you and me as ambassadors of his kingdom. We are his torches to light up the darkness. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Fifty years ago this month, President Richard Nixon went to communist China. The object was what his successors of both parties have done ever since, namely seeking China's assistance with some American priority or another, from countering the Soviet threat to help in ending the Vietnam War, to opening markets, to mitigating climate change. Whatever the U.S. motivation for engaging with the ruling Chinese Communist Party, the actual effect five decades later is clear. The CCP has eaten our lunch. Instead of enriching the Chinese communists, translating into actual help from Beijing, let alone making them more like us, we have simply enabled China to wage what the CCP calls unrestricted warfare against this country and the free world more generally. It's absolutely insane for us to persist in engaging with, let alone continuing underwriting, our most dangerous enemy ever. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. There's three things you need for a successful insurgency. Uh, You need the will to fight, you need the resources, and then you need a sanctuary to logistically provide those resources. Zelensky uh, and the Ukrainians are clearly showing the will to fight. I do believe he's turning out to be a modern day uh, Winston Churchill. We need to help him stay alive. Biden doesn't need to be offering to evacuate him. We need to be giving him secure communications and the ability to continue to lead. Yesterday, Biden finally belatedly approved $350 million in military aid. That's not cash. That will actually be ammunition, body armor, secure communications. uh, And what they really need are anti-aircraft missiles, stingers. 
We were flying in that previous aid that Biden uh, had approved. Now, uh, with the airspace shut down uh, by the Russian Air Force, we'll have to move it over land, and that leads to the sanctuary. Poland and Romania will have to step up to provide those arms over their border. And here's where NATO could get drawn in if Russia decides to try to stop that aid from coming into the Ukrainian resistance at the Polish border. That could get very <clears throat> dicey. One other thing to watch, Maria, is Turkey. Uh, Zelensky has asked Turkey to close down uh, the Dardanelles and the Bosphorus Strait to not allow Russian ships into the Black Sea. I think we need to be leaning hard on Turkey to do that. And if they do that, it could choke off Russia's fleet uh, and, and, and truly aid uh, the Ukrainian resistance. All right. So that's Congressman Michael Waltz talk about a real deal. Now, there's a real deal. Uh, unlike Mark Green, I'm sorry. I, I just was so put off by he's a doctor. Doc, Mark Green's a doctor and also former military guy who allowed military members to be forced to be vaccinated. He did nothing. He just offered to make sure they didn't get a you know dishonorable discharge if uh, if they didn't take the vaccination. But they lose benefits. Uh, they were uh, they either had to take it or leave. I, I'm just disgusted by that, and I, I have to just draw a line in the sand. That's it. And I, I'm encouraging all of you to do that. You have a congressman in every area of this country that are sitting in those seats doing nothing at a time when the world is falling apart. There's it, This is no time for perfect blue suits and red ties and white shirts and great leather padded chairs and resources and pensions for the rest of your life and power and flights all over the country. This is what our congressmen do. Those that are unserious, this is what they do. They enrich themselves, both in terms of their uh, their ego and also their pocketbooks. And so it's got to stop. And it's only going to stop when you stand up, you, the American people, and make yourself expert on what your congressman's actually doing, not what they just say. Look to other sources to find out. Look to who's endorsing them. That will tell you a lot. Uh, and look to what their rec- actual record is. Uh, it's not enough because they'll tell you everything you want to hear. And uh, listen, trust me, I've gotten, you know, I've gotten long reams of excuses from them about positions they've taken on issues. But I know what the, I know what the story is. How are you supposed to know that? Well, yeah, I guess you listen to me, but you also look like AF, AFR, AFA Action is going, has a great voter guide as we get closer here. Uh, that's a great source. Plus, you often will know someone in your life who's plugged in locally to politics or to your state whose judgment you trust. Um, and uh, you just have to use your discernment and find out who they support. That's one way to do it. So I'm just saying, please learn to be discerning and make sure that the people that have been placeholders who are doing nothing except just talking, flapping their jaws, are they in the Freedom Caucus? Well, then I'm suspicious. Uh, I'm sorry, because that means they're at the very least that for the most part, they're cowards and they don't want to align themselves with the hardliners. And so that's I want a house. I want a a U.S. Congress filled with Freedom Caucus members. That's what I like. Yeah. And the same thing in the Senate. Okay, so anyway, um, Michael Waltz, who is a true patriot, explaining to us what's going on in Ukraine. And he's right. Zelensky, you know, Zelensky was a former comedian. You may remember that. And he got. Uh, he ran for office. I think he was kind of inspired by President Trump. He was very, you know, um, respectful uh, of uh, of our former president, and that's when he was elected. But he's turned out to be so much more than a former comedian. I mean, it's it's 
amazing to see him. I'm sure that you've seen the pictures of him not all dressed up now in his his uh, t-shirt uh, with a you know this uh, haggard look on his face, but determined to fight. And Joe Biden uh, offered to uh, you know come in and bring him out safely, you know, save himself and his family. And he says, I need ammunition, not a ride. I need ammunition, not a ride. He's there with his children uh, in the Capitol, uh, refusing to leave. And that just is amazing. I think we should hear, this is through an interpreter, but this is one of the statements that he made recently. And this will kind of uh, uh, kind of pivot to another thing I want to make clear to you. This is clip 15. <laughs> Today, I have asked 27 European leaders whether Ukraine will be in NATO. I have asked directly, everyone is afraid, no one answers. But we are not afraid. We are not afraid of anything. We are not afraid to defend our country. We are not afraid of Russia. We are not afraid to talk to Russia. Sadly, today we lost 137 heroes, our citizens. Ten of them were officers. 316 people have been wounded. They have not surrendered. They will all be awarded posthumously the title of the Hero of Ukraine. Let those who gave their lives for Ukraine be remembered forever. I remain in the capital. My family is also in Ukraine. My children are in Ukraine. They are not traitors. They are citizens of Ukraine. According to the information we have, the enemy has marked me as target number one, my family as target number two. They want to damage Ukraine politically by destroying the head of state. Of course, the Biden administration knew that if they had removed Zelensky, Ukraine would have fallen. Every Everyone had already said Ukraine would fall quickly. But because he is taking a stand, it's harder. It makes it harder in terms of the uh, the, mm, the impression of it, in terms of public world sympathy, that Zelensky is standing by his capital saying, I'm not leaving. And so if Russia or Putin goes in there and now kills Zelensky and his family, uh, it won't be a good optic for him, even if he doesn't care. And so we know that Zelensky is really, by staying there as bravely and boldly as he is, uh, he is sacrificing and laying down his life, really, to save his country. It's pretty amazing. Now, here's the thing. He talks about joining NATO. And you probably know that NATO is an alliance formed after World War II, agreeing that if they band together these countries, Germany, France, uh, the United States, um, I'm sorry, I don't want to take time to even rattle them all off, but let me just say that they agreed that if one of them was attacked, the others would come to their aid. That's the bottom line. There's a lot of other things in it, but NATO members are protected by the alliance, the NATO alliance. Okay, so that's why after Ukraine broke away from Russia, they wanted to join NATO, uh, but no one's let them join NATO. And you heard Zelensky say, I keep asking, but no one will speak up. Uh, because they just they just hide when I ask that question. Now, here's the story. This is really incredible. You may have heard that President Biden and his team leaked classified information to China, and China leaked it to Vladimir Putin. And I know that's a shock. You know, it's just a shock, isn't it, that the team up there, okay, so you think that's stupid, but really, probably not. And let me explain. I'm going to read this from a Sundance, who I often uh, quote uh, and 
It says yesterday the New York Times reported on U.S. intelligence and diplomatic officials from the State Department sharing intelligence with Chinese officials in the three months leading up to the Russian invasion. The narrative from the article tells the story of the U.S. trying to convince China in December, January, and February to intervene and persuade Russia not to cross the border into Ukraine. Basically, they told China that there was this consideration of Ukraine joining joining NATO, and that's a red line for for Putin. He does not want, obviously, Ukraine to join NATO, and so that was the leaked information. And then China leaked it to Vladimir Putin, which we think is the reason why he rushed into Ukraine. One of the many reasons, besides all the rest of them. And so then Sundance goes on to say this, and I am with him. You've heard me say it, but I'll read his words. When it comes to these types of issues, never ascribe to incompetence that which can be explained by intent. There's every reason to believe that what the Biden intelligence community and State Department were sharing with China was done with the intention of Beijing giving it to Moscow. From that perspective, the question and around the intent becomes what did they push and why did they push it? Um, I'm not going to read all of that, but he says uh, it is a red line for Russia. That means uh, Ukraine joining NATO, and Biden knew that. Vladimir Putin had been very clear about his opposition. Everyone knew that. Russia would never concede allowing Ukraine to enter NATO. So why did they do this? Why would the people in and around Biden want to provoke Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine? He said the crisis actually because the crisis actually helps advance the goals and objectives of domestic policy in multiple ways. The people around Biden want soaring, want soaring energy costs. They want huge increases in gasoline costs as part of their Green New Deal. These are ideological travelers, the most intense elements within the Obama crowd. And the Biden has been installed and Biden has been installed as a disposable figurehead, allowing him to operate a policy agenda without any concern for political damage paving the path to the Great Reset, also known as Build Back Better. It's much easier when the fundamental change crowd can just plow full steam ahead. These are the most entrenched ideologues who consider federal deficit spending as a means to an end where the U.S. is fundamentally changed and forever diminished because we are broke. Through the prism of consequence, all of the negative domestic outcomes for Russia entering Ukraine and our responses therein are not viewed as bad outcomes. These consequences are domestic and economic pains to be embraced, not avoided. After all, the people delivering these outcomes will never themselves feel any of it. Uh, I I, I think he's absolutely spot on. It certainly comports exactly with what I tell you all the time. And in order to prove that point, if we have the clip I played for you where John uh, Kerry, who's the head of the climate, he's the climate czar for, you know, Joe Biden, was talking about how we couldn't let this conflict with Russia interfere with our march ahead on climate change. That was his main concern. And that's why the sanctions uh, reportedly are big enough to drive holes through, because we're still negotiating with Russia, we're still getting oil with Russia, because we we have to, you know, we have to destroy the world's energy in order to get, you know, Green New Deal energy. In fact, um, the uh, press secretary, Jen Psaki, was asked about something about um, what was happening to the pipelines, and she said something, oh, well, we need, uh, you know, new energy. We need green energy to help fight this, uh, to push back on Putin. We have not, we don't have, 
I hate to tell you this, but we don't have enough windmills or, you know, electric cars, uh, tanks to go in and fight a fight or a battle, even for ourselves. Of course, they don't intend for anybody to do that. It's just talk because they don't care what happens in the end. Hillary Clinton was asked about how Biden's doing uh, in uh, Ukraine, and uh, I thought you'd be interested in hearing her response, clip 11. Clip 11. All right. Joining us now, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Uh, It's very good to have you joining us this morning during this difficult time. Um, I first want to ask you what you think of President Biden's response so far in terms of getting collaboration from our allies, as well as messaging the strategy to the nation. Well, Mika, I think that it has been um, well uh, executed. Uh, There is no doubt that we were not in a position just a few years ago to rally anybody. And now with uh, President Biden rallying uh, NATO, rallying uh, not only Western Europe and Eastern Europe, but far beyond those borders to understand the very real threat that Vladimir Putin poses uh, and then to Mm -hmm. begin imposing sanctions that will ratchet up. Uh, And I think that is exactly what he should be doing. Yes, uh, so, and then one last thing. I was going to spend more time on this, but let me just say, please remember that the Biden family has made millions and millions, if not billions, of dollars over their efforts, their dealings in Russia and China and Ukraine. Remember that Joe Biden was placed in charge of Russia, China, and Ukraine, and that his son Hunter uh, went over and did very well for the family. They got $3.5 million from the wife of the mayor of Moscow, and they got millions of dollars from Ukraine and the oligarchs. Remember Joe Biden threatening to withhold uh, U.S. aid from the prosecutor in Ukraine who was investigating Hunter Biden's uh, involvement in Burisma and how much money he made, and uh, Joe was bragging about that. It's a, it is a crime family. That's what President Trump called it Saturday night, and it is absolutely true. It is the Biden crime family, and they are running our country. Amazing times in which we're living. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.